we are here now with episode nine of the just ball on podcast so what is going on everybody how is everybody doing today welcome back here today to our ninth episode and we're going to be talking about 10 players that i think deserve some more love this season that i think are having under the radar 2019-20 seasons to the start of it and we're going to be talking about them today so yeah if you're listening on spotify apple podcast or youtube welcome back if you guys could leave a rating and review on apple pod deeply appreciate that and then if you could just leave a like on youtube also would appreciate that and if you're on spotify if you're just following me there thank you so without further ado let's get into this so yeah i just have 10 guys i'm going to talk about them and then obviously you guys can let me know if any players i missed out but these are just 10 guys that i felt like i wanted to talk about so the first one is rashawn holmes of the Sacramento Kings. Now, Rashawn Holmes is 26 at the moment. He just turned 26, and he's actually having a really good season for the Kings this year due to his part of getting a higher usage rate because there is no bogey sometimes. Darren Fox and Marvin Bagley have missed a lot of time so far this season, and he's actually been their best center so far this year. People kind of expected maybe a jump from Harry Giles. Obviously, Dwayne Dedman, they gave him 12 mil in the offseason. But Rashawn Holmes has been really solid. He's only 26 years old, and hopefully, you know, he can be part of of their future as he's under contract for next year as well for almost five mil this year and then five mil next year he signed a two-year 9.77 million dollar contract for them but yeah he's averaging 12 and a half points eight and a half rebounds a block and a half a game for them uh he does get into foul trouble though which is annoying to see with any player that gets into foul trouble you don't like to see that um, his usage rate is actually not one of the highest in his careers, but I think it's about where you want it. He's been a good rim protector for them. I definitely think he's been better than what Cole Hassan has been for them in the past. Um, they have a 2.7 net rating with him on the floor and with him off the floor and negative 11.8. So they're significantly better with him on the floor. And then maybe when Dwayne Dedman comes in or somebody like that, uh, he's a good rim runner. He's very, I think he's very solid in the pick and roll. Like I said, he's only 26 and I think he's been a bright spot for the Kings. Um, and he's actually benefiting from some of the injuries that they have. Obviously, like I said, due to bogey missing some time. And then obviously uh, Bagley been out since what? Game one of the season. And then um, De'Aaron Fox missing some time. Hopefully they'll be back soon. So yeah, Rashawn Holmes, first guy I wanted to give some love to. And then the next guy we're going to talk about is Markel Fultz. Yep. Of the Orlando Magic. Now this is basically Fultz's rookie year. He's 21. He only played 14 games in his quote unquote rookie year and 19 games in his sophomore year. And then he dealt with that shoulder injury and he's, I guess, finally healthy for the first time in his career. So this is his first rookie year. I think he's been good. He's averaging 12 points a game. Um, he's averaging four assists a night, two and a half rebounds, about a steal and a half a game. They're a 3.9 net rating when he's on the floor and a negative 5.4 when he's off the floor. I think I really liked his ball handling just from I've been catching some magic games. I like him in transition. He can actually dribble it fast without having any hiccups in his motions. Um, like I said, yep, fast in transition, good vision, and he's only 21. Yes, obviously, he hasn't shown much that he's a shooter. He's shooting 22% from three on about two attempts a night he's shooting 79 percent from the line which is good to see because usually free throw percentage does help out um and then he's shooting 54 percent from the field if we look at his kind of shot chart he is shooting 48 percent on shots from three to ten feet he's shooting 46 percent on shots 10 to 16 feet which are like mid twos and then on long twos 16 feet to the three-point arc he's shooting 49 percent which is pretty solid now they're not majority of his shots they're a very low percentage of what he's shooting because he's mainly shooting at shots near the rim he's shooting 39 percent of his shots are from zero to three feet but um and he's shooting on shots at the rim he is shooting 63 percent, which is really solid and i think Fultz, you know this is his rookie year he's 21 i think he could develop into a solid starting point guard 
like on a championship team, maybe a rotational guy, maybe like the first or second guy off the bench. But I, you know what? If his peak is what we're seeing of like DeLon Wright, he could still be a solid player in the NBA. Obviously not number one pick worthy, but I think he's having a good year. And I think it's been, it's been a step in the right direction for Markel. Next player we're going to talk about is somebody that I don't even know if I knew who he was going into this year. And he's on the Miami Heat and it's not Kendrick Nunn. It's Duncan Robinson. Yeah, Duncan Robinson, 25-year-old out of Maine, um, or that's where he grew up. Um, and he's been good. He's been really good for the Miami Heat this year, his, especially his three-point shooting. He's taking about six and a half attempts from three a night, and he's shooting 43% on threes. 11 points a game, um, about three rebounds a game, and only 25 minutes a night. He's averaging 13 points and shooting 46% from three and about eight attempts from downtown over his last nine games. He's Like I said, he's only 25. They have 106 defensive rating when he's on the floor, which is pretty solid. Nothing great, but it's still solid as well. But yeah, he's been a pretty good floor spacer for them. And he kind of came out of nowhere. He only played about 11 minutes a game last year for the Heat. He did start one game, um, but he, he only played about 160 minutes in total. He's played about 576 this season. He's looking like he's a solid defender um, as well. You know, he's not averaging more than a steal a game, but I think I've liked what he's seen or like what I've seen when I watch him every night. I think he's quick. He's good in switches. I'm not going to say he's anything like a Justice Winslow or Jimmy Butler on the perimeter, but I think he's very solid for a 25-year-old that is making probably around $900,000 a year. Yeah, he's making, wow, he, he's making $9,000 in his current salary because it's a two-way, um, but then it's going to get increased to 1.4 mil and then 1.6 mil. Um, so yeah, he makes 1.4 mil this year and 1.6 mil next year. So if you're getting somebody that's going to average 11 a night and shoot 43% from three and play solid defense for you, and you're paying him about one and a half mil. That is a steal. Shout out to Pat Riley. Shout out to Andy Ellisberg. Um, I guess they, they just know what they're doing. They do. Um, so yeah, three players we've talked about. Rashawn Holmes, Marco Fultz, Duncan Robinson. I think they all deserve some love. Next player we are going to talk about is Terry Rozier. Yep, Scary Terry. When they when the Hornets signed him in the offseason, a lot of people were like, what are they doing? Including me. I was like, 18 mil for him. Really? Maybe if you wanted to give him like a two-year deal. Three-year deal was stretching it. You gave him a lot of money. He kind of showed that he was somewhat inefficient. In Boston, but you know what? He's been pretty good this year. He has a career high in points a game, assists per game, steals per game, field goal percentage, three point percentage, free throw percentage, and then obviously true shooting percentage. I mean, he hasn't been great defensively, but he's still only 25, and obviously he's undersized. He's averaging 18 points a night, four assists, four and a half rebounds, um, and he's shooting 42% from three on 6.7 attempts a night, which is great. That's what you want to see from your point guard. Now, I don't know how the fit with him and grammar is going to work uh, because they do have a negative six net rating when they're both on the floor together, which isn't great. And obviously Graham um, is just a year younger at 24. Obviously we could have talked about Devontae Graham. He's been great, but you know, I feel like a lot of people have been mentioning Graham's name, but not as much Rozier. Um, but yeah, it's going to be interesting to see because Graham might have more upside, but Rozier, you're paying all this money to. So you're going to see if they're going to work together. Um, and then I kind of weaves Malik Monk out of the fold and out of the picture there in Charlotte. But yeah, Rozier's been great so far in 24 games. He's playing about 33 minutes a night. So he's playing a lot of time um, as their starting point guard. And he's playing at least, I'm pretty sure, um, if we look at his position um, percentage, he's actually playing more shooting guard in Graham at the one. He's playing 59% of his minutes at shooting guard and 41% of his minutes at point guard. Uh, so they're using Graham more at the point guard position. But Rozier definitely deserves some love. He's having a career year. He's still only 25 years old and he's going to continue to get better. So shout out to Terry and Charlotte. So now we're going to move over to an expiring contract player in Washington. And that is Davis Bertans. Now... Bertans might be like a unanimous uh, three-point shooter 
or a member of the three-point shooting contest this year. Like, he's got to be the first one to get voted in, I think. He's been insane. He's averaging 14 points and four rebounds. He's shooting 45% from three on eight three-point attempts a night. That is bonkers. That is incredible. He's averaging 17 points and shooting 48% from three on 9.3 attempts over his last 10 games, which is incredible. The Washington Wizards have a 114 offensive rating when he's on the floor and a 107 offensive rating when he's off the floor. So they're significantly better when he's on the floor. Uh, he will be a petting free agent, so he could be traded because I think the Wizards could definitely get a first round pick for him. Or obviously he'll get paid in the offseason. He still could have been a spur, but... They traded him to Washington because they thought that they were getting Marcus Morris, and then Marcus Morris backed out and then ended up signing with the the Knicks. And yeah, he was part of the three-team trade. That I know that it was a three-team trade, um, but it was the, the Wizards getting Davis Bertans, the Nets trading Damari Carroll to San Antonio, and then the, the Spurs traded a foreigner of Nemanja Dagbuk. I'm definitely butchering his name. Um, it's Nemanja Don Gubic. Okay, yeah. He was traded to the Nets. I don't know if I'll ever play for them. But yeah, back to Bertans. He's been incredible as a shooter this year. Um, I'm not going to say his defense is anything great because it's not. And he's probably a big part of why the Wizards are one of the worst defensive teams in the league. But, you know, he's out there kind of with Thomas Bryant, who's not a great rim protector. Um, Isaiah Thomas, not a good defender. Bradley Beal, not really a good defender in his own right. Troy Brown Jr., he's kind of soft. And yeah, um, Davis Bertans, 14 and a half points. He, he's shooting 88% from the line. He's shooting 46% from the field and 50% on twos. 63% effective field goal percentage. I'm pretty sure his true shooting percentage is also pretty high. Uh, yep, 65%, which is incredible. I'm trying to think like what teams maybe would look to give Bertans a first round pick at the deadline. Definitely teams that need shooting like, oh my God, imagine Philly. But does Philly really have an asset to match his $7 million salary? And then they would have to throw in a first round pick. And I'm pretty sure the Nets have their first round pick this year. I think at the moment, yeah, he's making 7 mil. So they're going to have to match that. I don't know who they would maybe throw in. I don't, I don't know, but I guess it's just teams that need shooters. Like, obviously, you'd like to see maybe on, like, the Miami Heat or the Denver Nuggets or maybe even the Toronto Raptors. That would be cool. But would the Raptors give up Norman Powell on a first? Like, are they really even benefiting from that? No, but you have to have players that will match his salary. Uh, the Lakers obviously could use shooting. Don't know if... Would you trade Kuzma for Davis Bertans? Probably not. No. Um, even though Bertans is still fairly young, Kuzma, they, they still really like him there. Uh, maybe Detroit could use some more shooting, but they're probably going to be out of it. But hey, would they give up their first round pick for Bertans? Probably not because he is not a world changer. Uh, so I'd like to see him on a winning team because I think he could take over some games with his shooting because he's been pretty much the best three-point shooter in the league this year. Um, well, I guess Marcus Morris has, but yeah, he's been good and I'm excited to see if he'll be on the, um, on the trade market come deadline time or he will be getting probably a big contract from a team in the offseason. He might get around like 14 or something mil if he's going to keep this up. Next player we're going to talk about is another three-point specialist, or that's mainly what he's known for. A uh, fairly young player from the 2017 draft, and that's Luke Kennard. And I think Luke Kennard has been breaking out this season, 100%. He's 23 years old because he was a sophomore, I believe, coming out of Duke. Now, he's averaging 16.5 points a game, 4.3 assists. And I want to talk about his passing, because if you watch him, his vision is really solid. He's smart with the ball. Uh, he's not really, he's averaging one half turnovers a game, but obviously that is going to come up to the expense of his usage being at a career high, um, just under 20%. Um, but yeah, career high in assist percentage, which means the percent of assists on the floor by a single player, almost 20%, which is pretty solid for pretty much a true shooting guard. He's not really much of a point guard because they have at least until Reggie Jackson comes back. Um, maybe he'll get a little bit more point guard minutes, but if you look at, yeah, no, he's actually played 0% of his minutes at point guard this year. 50% at the shooting guard position and 49% at the small forward position. And he's been incredible. He's shooting 40% from three 
on six and a half attempts a night. And he's, I, I really like his passing, and I think he could be a really good combo guard in his career. And he's breaking out to be kind of probably untouchable for the Pistons. Like, you thought maybe they would go after DeRozan. I don't even think that they would they would even entice the idea of giving up Lucanard. They would be like, nope, he's untouchable. I think they would way value him over, like, a Sekou Dumbuya or a future first-round pick or somebody like that. And I think he's definitely in their plans. You know, him and Drummond are still fairly young together. They could build around those guys. It just it really set them back with that Blake Griffin trade because they gave up the pick that ended up being, I believe, Shea Gochis Alexander. Or it was one of the Clippers picks. And then they also gave up Tobias Harris, who they, maybe they could have gotten for a first-round pick down the line. Um, obviously, the Clippers did trade him to the Sixers, where they got that Miami first, and then they ended up flipping that to the Thunder and the Paul George trade. But Kennard has been great this year. I think he deserves some more love. I think he's proving that he's probably a top 10 player from that draft class, probably not in the top seven. Um, like, you wouldn't really put him over Tatum or Mitchell or Fox, maybe John Collins. You can put him in that category at the moment. He's having a better season than Larry Marketing and Kyle Kuzma. So I think Kennard has been great for the Pistons so far. And we kind of all saw this, that, like, he was still developing. And, like, he wasn't great in his rookie year. He wasn't anything special in the sophomore year. But he's been great so far in his year three. Um, and I love to see that because I was a big I was a big Kennard guy coming out of Duke. Um, I really like that pick at 12. And I think that was good value. And he's proving that why this year. So the next player we're going to talk about is is somebody more on the defensive side of things, and that is Gary Harris. The Denver Nuggets currently have one of the best defensive ratings in the NBA. They might have the best defensive rating, and that is mainly due to Gary Harris being an incredible perimeter defender this year. Um, he's been guarding teams pretty much best players every night, which is what you love to see, and he's been great in that aspect. So they currently have the second best defensive rating in the NBA at the current moment with a 102, and the Milwaukee Bucks are the only team in front of them, but he's, he's had a 101.9 defensive rating when he's on the court and he has a 105 defensive rating per 100 possessions according to basketball reference which is tied for 12th in guards that have played more than 250 minutes and i you know what i really thought gary harris was going to break out two years ago um i really liked his rookie season out of michigan state um i mean i, I mean his rookie season wasn't anything special i mean his sophomore year because he showed a lot more promise then um excuse me uh he did have a really good 2017-18 but regressed pretty hard um, due to injury in 18-19, but he's having a good start to the season. Now, he's not showing that he's a scorer, and I think that could definitely hurt the Nuggets on the line because when Jamal Murray is off, um, when he's not shooting efficiently, Nicole Jokic isn't the type of dude, at least this year, to take over scoring. And I think they should really look at like a Bradley Beal type player, but he can't get traded to the offseason. And then I think if Gary Harris can get that done, I think he'll include him. But he's been great on the defensive end. He's actually shooting 36% on threes on about four attempts a night, which is good. He's shooting 76% from the line. He's just not shooting great on twos, like 46%, which is a little bit below league average. I mean, you kind of know what you're going to get from Gary Harris on the offensive end. I think we're not going to see too much progression, maybe on a different team where he can kind of take more shots a game because he's taking a career low since his rookie year, 9.7 um, attempts a game, which is the only time under 10 shots a night since his rookie year, which he only played 13 minutes a night. But he's playing a lot more minutes this year, and I think his defense definitely deserves some love. And yeah, so shout out to Gary Harris. And then the seventh player, or excuse me, the eighth player we are going to talk about is Montrezl Hill. Now, Montrezl Harrell is going to get paid. He's going to get paid this offseason. Either it's by the Clippers, which they should pay him because they can. They have his bird rights, so they can go over the salary cap to sign him because he is going to get paid. He's about to turn 26, and he's having an all-star type year. I don't think he'll make it in the Western Conference, but he is having an all-star type year. He's averaging about 18.5 points a night, which is incredible for somebody coming off the bench in about 29 minutes, 8 rebounds, and 2.2 uh, 2 .2, excuse me, assists per game. 
Uh, he's 11th, like, okay, so the advanced stats love him. Now, some of these advanced stats, I'll tell the whole story, but they love him. He's 11th in a wins above replacement. He's 14th in box plus minus, 9th in win shares, and he has the third highest scoring frequency on pick and rolls with a 61% uh, scoring efficiency on PNRs um, with a minimum 65 pick and roll possessions. The only two players above him are Rudy Gobert and Jared Allen. So he is in a pretty good company um, there. Obviously, he has really good uh, chemistry or good connection with Lou Will off the bench. And yeah, like I said, he's going to get paid a lot of money. He was kind of, I wouldn't say he was a throw-in, but when that trade happened where he got traded to LA um, in the Chris Paul deal, he really wasn't like somebody that's like, wow, okay, they got good value for him. Because in his time in Houston, he wasn't like setting the world on fire. He did average nine points and four rebounds in about 18 minutes a game. Um, because then if you look at his per 36 numbers, they were really good that year. So maybe, maybe Lawrence Frank or Michael Wagner, Wagner, um, saw that. Uh, yeah, because he had 18.7 half rebounds per 36 minutes um, that season, and he had really good um, numbers per 100 possessions, and he's been a good defender. I think he defends the pick and roll really well. Like I said, I think he's perfect to come off the bench. You start kind of Zubats a little bit more, but he obviously plays more time. He's a little bit undersized. He's kind of more of a true power forward than he is a true center, but he's been playing majority of his minutes at center this season. Uh, yeah, he's played 100% of his minutes at center. He's pretty much um, their backup center, quote-unquote backup center, but he plays a lot more minutes than Ivica. Uh, I don't know, because um, he's 6'7", so maybe teams in the playoffs, like, if they play the Lakers, it'll be tough to play him at the 5, um, when they have, like, AD, McGee, and LeBron out there, or AD, Howard, and LeBron, it'll be tough, um, but we'll see, obviously, Doc Rivers is a great coach, he would adjust to that, and I want to give Montrezl Hale some love, I think he would be an all-star if he was in the Eastern Conference, or maybe a borderline all-star, I think he deserves some consideration this year, but obviously, two players on their team will get a lot more love in Paul George, and Kawhi Leonard. But yeah, Harrell has been great so far. Shout out to him, and I think he deserves a lot of love. Next player we are going to talk about is Dwight Powell of the Dallas Mavericks. Now, they are a 12 net rating when he's on, 11.7 to be exact, 14.9 net rating with Luka, which is great. That's why I kind of want to talk about him and give him some love. Um, it's because he plays well with Luka Doncic on the floor, or Luka Doncic plays a little bit better when Dwight Powell is on the floor. And I think that's something definitely to note. And now, when they re-sign him to a three-year, $30 million offer, um, a little bit more than that, three-year, $33 million extension, I really didn't know how I felt about that because he really wasn't like anything special before that. But the reason I think why, because maybe they saw that he played well with Luka, and I think that's so important. Like, yeah, you might have to overpay for these guys that really aren't worth their certain salary that they're getting annually. But if they're playing, if your star players are playing better when this specific player is on the floor, I think that's why you have to pay a little bit more. And I think that's why Dwight Powell is now deserving of that three-year 33 mil. Now, maybe if Luka, what he's doing now, it doesn't really matter who you put around Luka Doncic, he'll make it work. And then you might be like, all right, like now we're paying this guy a little bit excess more than what we want. But either way, they're winning with him this year. And I, I think... He's been solid. Like, he's been, I think, a good defender. Nothing great as a rim protector, as he is 6'10", and he's pretty much playing center when he's on the floor. Um, he's been playing about 78% of his minutes at the center position this year. Uh, I think he's a solid rebounder. Um, in per, his per 36 minutes, he would be averaging about 10 rebounds a night um, this season um, if he played a lot more. But, you know, he doesn't play a lot more, um, which is the thing. So... I think he's better, I guess, like in his role where he's not playing in a crazy amount of minutes. He's playing 25, which is a career high for him. Um, and it's mainly I wanted to give him love because Luka is better when he's on the floor. And I think that should go notice. I think that should go notice. So shout out to Dwight Powell. And then the final player 
we're going to be talking about in today's episode of the Just Ball Podcast is Garrett Temple, another player that I was like, when when like the Nets signed Garrett Temple in the offseason, what was your reaction? We were like, cool, like Garrett Temple. I mean, he'll be a nice ninth guy, 10th guy in the rotation, play about 10, 15 minutes a night. He'll be there in case like Harris gets hurt or Kyrie gets hurt um, and they want to give him minutes. But he's been incredible for the Nets this year. Obviously, um, he's hitting career highs just because of the absence of Kyrie Irving and Garrett Tem- or Kyrie Irving and Kyrie Irving, excuse me. He started 13 games, which you definitely did not expect when they signed him. Uh, yeah, he is a career high in points, rebounds, second highest in assists of his career. He's shooting 36% from three on six attempts a game, which you love to see. Uh, he's been a solid defender. He is 33, but I think he's been solid on the defensive end. He's got eight games where he scored over 12 points at night. He shoots his shots well. I don't think he has poor shot selection whatsoever. And they're a better defensive team when he's on the floor. And I think you just got to give props to guys like uh, Sean Marks and then people in their front office who go out and sign Garrett Temple and making him a difference maker for their team. Now, you could also give Torian Prince some love, Spencer Dinwiddie, who's been incredible with Kyrie out, but I think everybody knows that. And I think I wanted to give Garrett Temple some more love. And that's what we're doing. Garrett Temple has been credible so far for the Brooklyn Nets, and I'm giving him some love. And that's why the Nets are actually been pretty solid this year. Um, they're one of the better teams in the Eastern Conference and kind of that middle pack. Um, they're 12-10. and 10. Um, Obviously, we kind of didn't expect them to be a top six seed going into the season. But they're 12 and 10, and he's been stepping up with Karras out, and that's huge for them. And I wanted to give Garrett Temple some love in that aspect. So yeah, I kind of went through that fairly quickly. Like this isn't too long of a podcast. It's going to be around 20 minutes, but I also uploaded a podcast on Thursday, I believe, or Wednesday, right before, of course, the Knicks fire David Fisdale. I made a reaction video on my second channel on YouTube, uh, the channel I upload this podcast to, if you want to check that out, because I went through that whole podcast talking about kind of the Knicks are a mess. They blew a perfect opportunity in the offseason. Season. definitely i recommend listening to that i actually had really fun a lot of fun with that podcast and i really like the idea i came up with the plan that they should have did last offseason it didn't involve them signing any big free agents and then of course they fired david fizzell like the day after i uploaded that of course um so i had to upload my reaction um in a different video but yeah i hope you guys enjoyed the second episode of the week of the just ball and podcast this is the ninth one overall if you guys could show some love like i said in the beginning on apple pod or youtube or spotify i appreciate that so much like like these are fun to do and like i don't make any money off these and like i don't care like i actually enjoy doing these um and i think doing them once a week I guess like this week was an exception twice a week. I think it's a good amount. It's a good amount. And like, I definitely have a bunch of ideas um, throughout the year. And then like in the off season, like I was talking about my friend uh, with my friend. It's like, yeah, when it's kind of a dry spot in the off season, like we can rank our favorite Marvel movies or something like that. Cause that'd be kind of fun to do in a podcast form. So yeah, that'll be for me. Thank you all for watching. Hope you guys enjoy this. I don't know if you guys are going to be seeing this on Sunday or Monday morning. Not sure yet. So whenever you're listening to this, thank you. And I hope you guys have a great day. Peace.